Yo Pussio, also known as Hello in uh, Korean. Welcome to the oh, Film Up well Podcast, done. where we break down films, Didn't know where that was going. learn from the roads, <laughs> and try to become better filmmakers along the way. Um, let me introduce our hosts for today. My name's Richard Scott, also known as an art therapist. I am an art therapist. I'm joined by the wonderful Robert Carr, a seasoned personal driver to the rich and famous. And finally, mm. what, what's yeah. the, what do they say where it's like, Last but not least, there we go. Christian Foreman, who lives in a bunker and steals food <laughs> out your fridge. <laughs> yep. Uh, how you doing? He's all right. Yeah. Would um would a K dog like fit down there? Because he's so tall. Just <laughs> oh, have yeah, he to wouldn't. Took would all nah. the time. Sorry, it's already stars. K dog goes. <laughs> right. So let's do a little what the fact. K dog, give me your movie fact for today. Mine's, mine's quite topical, or it is topical as as of time of recording, but probably not when this is released. But this week, uh, Johnny Depp got kicked off uh, Fantastic Beasts, Beasts 3. Because he got kicked he, off or did he leave? Well, he asked, got asked to leave. I think he got so. asked, yeah, yeah. I don't think he kicked Johnny Depp off a set, but you would say politely, uh, you can't be part of this project anymore. Mads, Mads Mikkelsen's meant to be the, uh, the replacement, I think. Was that your fact? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, good. right. So, un- until so if someone watches, listens to this this week, this is going to be good news. But anyone who's listening to this in the future, this is old news. So get on with it. <laughs> well, my facts. It's going to be old um, news by the time you finish speaking. Come on. <laughs> well, I'll never get a finish my facts because you keep interrupting me, don't you? Well, if we didn't start forty-one minutes late, then we would, <laughs> it would still be current news, wouldn't it? Right, we had some enough. technical issues today. So my my. Well, fact, I didn't. I didn't. Well, we, we have technical issues every single week. You do, K Dog. Are we? Are we keep going to string out the length of this fact? Is this what's going to? I mean, if I get to it. So Johnny Depp will still be paid uh, like ten million dollars, despite only working one day on set. Wow. I think that's a fair deal, to be honest. What would, what would you do with ten million dollars if you had to spend it in the next twenty-four hours? Uh, Rob, if I, if I had to spend it, I was. The, like, what happens if I don't spend it? It disappears. I would, uh, I would buy gold. Lots of gold. No, yeah, that's a loophole. You can't do that. You need to spend- What about if I just give it to a friend? Yeah, you spend it on gold. That's fine. Spend it on a friend. Like, just give it to a friend and go, hold onto this for like a, a 24 hours and I'll be back? Or is that a no, loophole? No, you actually got to purchase something. I would oh, ask- oh, your, Both your answers are so boring. Like, I would what ask- do you buy? Buy something cool. I would ask the genie for th- uh, three more wishes. Um, you, and then, you <laughs> master, you're one of them people. What are you doing, man? Rob, you would buy gold. <laughs> Lots of, uh, yeah, just like you gold. Buy, you just buy gold. And then what would you, you do know, with like your gold? Gold, gold? gold member, you know. Take it back you to was, the bank. Tell oh. you what I would do. I would um, um, join the Patreon of the film look and put, give it oh, all. Oh, cheers, mate. Well, we're recording oh, this nice. in the past. The Patreon hasn't launched yet, but by the time you're listening to this, it should be. So get yourself on the film look dot com forward slash patreon we've got three different tiers get access to things like the discord server extra videos and if you you know if you're rich and famous and you want to get the really high one you can have a little uh personal chat with us and chat yeah about if you've you got like. 10 million pound to spend in 24 hours yeah <laughs> yeah put that in your budget yeah <laughs> well we'll maybe give some like to like a good charity or something and some of us some of your gold like some half, of your ingots us, yeah yeah <laughs> all right Ron, what's what's your fact I don't have a fact today, so but I do have a quiz for you, Rich. All so right, so I'll, so you do lose do- technically because you by default. 
but that's fine because I haven't had a fact in the last 12 weeks. <laughs> uh, no, no. The thing is, I think you're going to like this. So I went on BuzzFeed and uh, there's like loads of random facts. And I thought, Rich, you know, let's find out. So what, like, well, it, the, the title of this quiz is Everyone is a Mixture of a Villain, an Avenger, and a Guardians of the Galaxy. So who are you? So okay. I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you these, these questions. Which infinity, infinity stone um, would you want? So power, space, reality, stone, time, or mind? Reality. Reality. Right. Uh, which place would you want to visit? You've got Asgard, Wakanda, uh, Nowhere, uh, Voromir, and Titan. Asgard. Asgard. Good choice. Which Avenger would you like, uh, would you choose to fight with? So you've got yourself. Oh, um, oh yeah, me and Spidey, Spidey twins. Uh, you've got Spider-Man, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, uh, Ant-Man, Scarlet Witch, or Captain Marvel. Oh. Uh, <sighs> Captain Marvel. I mean, Captain Marvel. Oh, I, I don't think you would choose that. Strong as hell. She's strongest. Yeah. That's yeah, the right she answer. She is actually, she, she is the... The strongest out of anyone. Which colour is your favourite? Which this is quite funny because uh you're um colour blind, colour deficient, so you wouldn't be able to see any of these on screen. Um so we've got blue, green, red, yellow, black, or I can purple. see some of them. Mm. Well we've got blue, black, not, blue, not white, red, yellow. Each, black, blue, white, red, yellow. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. That's an inside joke of our film Sixty Seconds, which uh, hopefully should be up by the time you uh, <laughs> listen to this. Yeah. See again? So you've got blue. Blue. Blue, all right. Let's choose blue. Uh, this is a rather long quiz. I didn't think it would go on this long, so <laughs> this is a great start of this podcast. I know podcast. our format. We usually have like five minutes for chatty <laughs> until we get on with it. If, um, yeah. if anyone wants to hear what our breakdown of uh, <laughs> of Parasite, just keep skipping 30 seconds until we actually start talking about it. Yeah. Um, uh, what would well, you, it would have been done uh, by now if K-Doc didn't bloody take ages on his fact. Yeah. <laughs> I took about 20 seconds. This is taking like seven minutes. Yeah. I'm still going to uh, so lose, aren't I? Seven what? minutes we would have had if you didn't have these technical difficulties and I didn't keep talking over years. Go on. Uh, what would you, uh, what would be your first reaction if a stranger accidentally hurts you? Hurt hurt them Kill back them. harder, ignore them. Smash his face them. in, wouldn't you? Uh, ask if it was an accident. Whatever the equivalent of smash his face in is. Yeah. Uh, hit them back harder. I definitely yeah, smash his face in. It's always going to be hard. Right, la- last, last question. Which of these movies is your favourite? The Avengers, uh, Captain Marvel Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, or Avengers Endgame? Um, it's got to be Infinity War. Ragnarok, that was fun. Oh. Infinity War was good as well. <laughs> Who am I? Um, like, please sign up to this newsletter and we'll, we'll find out in three weeks. Yeah, so you got Thor and uh, Mantis, Mant- Mantis, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Zemo. Um, Mantis with the, uh, yeah, with yeah. the antenna. You're like... So I'm Thor, that's me, Avenger, and Mantis as my Guardians. And then Zemo, which was the villain in one of the Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America uh, films. Oh, so boring. that was a complete waste of time, wasn't it? Aye. <laughs> We're talking about Parasite now. <laughs> uh, before we do that, I'll do a little pod vert. Uh, if you want to reach us to tell us to shut the hell up, you can do that at thefilmlook at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at thefilmlook. We've got a YouTube channel called The Film Look. We drop filmmaker knowledge bombs on the short films we make. So get in contact, let us know what you think. 
Do we have any uh, emails? <laughs> Hold on, we've definitely got an email. You just chat for two minutes and I'll find we don't email. Have, we don't have time for this email. <gasps> we don't have time. Remember when I had technical difficulties for 40 minutes? You <laughs> could right, have we'll uh, do, just we'll checked your emails then. <laughs> we'll do that next week. Ah, okay, instead, let's talk about the film Parasite. Right, so Parasite, a film, came out last year, won a bunch of Oscars. It was the first foreign language film to win Best Picture, so it is pretty significant in the history of filmmaking overall. Um, it is directed by a bloke called Bong Joon-ho. Do you think that's close yeah, enough? That right. Yeah, Bong um, Joon-ho. He also directed one of my favourite films. Um, what's it called again? Snowpiercer. <laughs> Snowpiercer! You know it! Yeah, Snowpiercer. I remember watching that and thinking that was surprisingly really, really scary, but that's not the film we're going to talk about today. So let's talk a little bit about Parasite. I, um, what's the word suggested this one? Just because, like, I'd not seen it when it won the Oscar. I didn't get a time to see it. Um, pretty sure it was released before the COVID thing became a, a pandemic. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I just missed my chance to see it. I was a bit gutted. And then it came up on Amazon Prime Video a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, ooh, we need to do this because we should get some pretty decent listens on this, apart from people are going <laughs> to switch off on the first literal 11 minutes of this, <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> Um, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was quite creative. I liked the storyline. I was intrigued the whole time. I thought there were some cool original things. And a foreign film always gives you like a little insight into the culture as well. So um, it's always nice to get a little bit of a different flavour, you know. Um, what? So, K-Dog, don't be quick about it. But uh, what did you think of this? I refuse to be rushed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a great film. So I saw this at the cinema, yeah, I think possibly late 2018, before it was released. I don't know why. <laughs> before it was cool. Ooh, yeah, okay. before it was cool. But there was still so much hype about Are it. Are you it, like, a kinda, hipster? It kind of, yeah, yeah. We cleaned up at all the film festivals, didn't it? So there's a lot of hype going in, and I thought it was great. I thought it was a, um, one of the very thought-provoking films when it finished. I didn't really know... You know, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what just happened on the screen. Um, I, I went in blind, and I think that's definitely the best way of doing that. So if you haven't seen it, which you probably have if you listen to a film podcast, um, go in blind and stop listening right now. Watch the film, then come back. Uh, but I do think this... I know I said this about the film last week, but I think it's virtually flawless, this film. Um, and you can tell that it's made by someone that really loves the art of filmmaking. Every single scene, every shot, every piece of dialogue is just so well thought out. And yeah, I loved I loved every minute of the film, really. Yeah, it was great. Great roller coaster. Rob, had you seen this in the cinema? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm not as cool as K-Dog. Um, <laughs> that's why we call him Cool Dog. Cool Dog. Um, <laughs> Cool day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I hadn't seen this, and um, I'm, I'm actually. It's a bit strange because obviously this one uh, best picture, which definitely de best uh, deserves that. And normally, when like a film wins best picture, most of the time you're like, yeah, see everything about it. It's, you know the story before you walk in. And for this, it came out, you know, last year to win the Oscar. I knew nothing about it. I'd seen, you know, loads of the images online. Um, I think one of the main ones when the owner of the house the mother's like walking up the stairs and like when they're in the garden in the house but other than that I knew nothing about it 
And I was I was super happy about that because I went in and I just didn't know what to expect, what the story was going to be, and I I didn't really expect it to go this way. And it's it is it's actually quite simple, really, what they do. With, you know, they get into this person's house, the whole family does, and obviously that's just going to cause problems. But it's it just kind of escalates, and like Kadok says, it's it's just he's a he's a very very good filmmaker. You know, he knows the language of filmmaking, and then he just makes it his own. Um, you know, he doesn't really break rules. He just makes them as good as he can, which I, which is what I like about him. Um, just I mean, proper I love solid filmmaking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I obviously watched Snowpiercer years ago, and I love that. There's a there's a line in it which always sticks sticks with us. It's uh, "Babies Taste Best," um, which is just that whole monologue from Chris Evans. Is if anyone is, hasn't is seen Snowpiercer, it's definitely worth a watch if you like this film. Yeah, that's a, it's a British, uh, uh, English spoken film, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, I think it Korean might be one filmmaker. of his first ones. Yeah, uh, I, I watched Okja as well, which is a Netflix uh, film. Is Came this the thing with a big hippo or something? Yeah, yeah. it's quite. Yeah, yeah and it's it's, good. it's got it's, uh, uh, Paul Dano in. Is he called Paul Dano? Something Dano. Paul Dano. Aye. No, I don't think. Uh, See, not t- in that. Tildes- <laughs> no, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. He, Jake Gyllenhaal actually plays a really good character. Hi. I'm not the biggest fan of him, um, but he actually plays quite a good character. Character in that, um, it's quite sweet, but it's 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 got a lot of it, like as far as I remember, like political kind of motivations and what's wrong with the world. Um, yeah, and I suppose this one does as well. So it's very social class sort of uh, themes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this this one's just purely about people. But again, Aye. social class as well, which I think, and the thing is, Snowpiercer was all about social yeah. class as well. Yeah. So he's definitely got a theme going here. So um, you really liked it. Um, are we giving our ratings now? Yeah, so so we usually do like an out of 10 at the end, but recently we've been trying to do an out of 10 at the beginning because we have a discussion and then sometimes we can sort of sway uh, up and down. So instinctively going to give it a 9 out of 10. And that was just because I didn't... I didn't place it in like, oh my God, I'm absolutely amazed by this movie. That was unreal. Like when I saw 1917 at the cinema, but I didn't see this film in the cinema and I can't think of anything wrong with it right now. So I'm just going to have to give it a 10 out of 10 right now. What about you, K-Dog? Yeah, I agree. 10 out of 10. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we can. Pick any faults in this. I'm hoping. I will certainly try <laughs> in the, uh, this next conversation. But yeah, no, ten out of ten for me. What about you, Rob? Um, I'm going to give it eight point five. Oh, so you've got some, uh, you got some ammunition. Yeah, but, part, then. not really. But like it says, it was. I thought it was a very, very good film. Like well-made acting, story, everything. Really, kind of like different story as well. And it, but like it says, it just didn't blow you away. Didn't blow us away. And also, I I like foreign films. I I wish I watched more because I always get into them. And I I reckon with this one, it's actually, it does help because you have to really concentrate. But the subtitles were so quick in some of the scenes, I had to like slow down. But that's just personal preference. So apart from that, it would be, it, it would be higher. It, it is a strange film in the sense that it is, it's a foreign film and it's a foreign indie film. And yet, despite those two things, it's it became the biggest film of t- 2019 and it kind of transcend, mm-hmm. tr- transcended both those things. And now it's like in the mainstream. It's like a mainstream film. Uh, and you don't get that a lot, do you? 
it's you never get that you, like that's the, it's unprecedented that that'll happen to this extent like even my colleagues who i work with who haven't even been to a cinema in 20 years know about this film like how is that possible um yeah it, i guess it's because of the some of the universal things that we'll talk about but uh yeah you've got to give it props that the the, the amount it's done for foreign cinema this film well, before we get into our first thing, which is usually uh, character development, story and writing, um, let's talk a little bit about the other pe- Best Picture nom- nominees, because obviously this won Best Picture 2020, which we've recorded in. Yeah. So you got The Irishman, Ford versus F- Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, uh, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is that the contenders? Yeah. I think out of those, this is objectively the better film i would say like if you would write if you would write down what makes a great film this would tick all of those boxes uh see i i actually disagree with that because i've seen there's only two i haven't seen and um sorry one i haven't seen and that's little women so that's a great i thought i thought yeah i've heard it's really good i mean this year is really strong for films i thought 1917 was if not the best film on that list jojo rabbit definitely definitely deserves joker was excellent Le Mans, which is Ford versus Ferrari, if you haven't seen that, it is the funnest romp. You know, you know The Martian with Matt Damon. Uh, it's, this is Matt Damon, but with cars. And it's just... <laughs> it's The Martian, but with cars. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, very good film. The racing and everything. You'll Aston like, Martian. You'll, yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, you'll just, you'll enjoy it. You will. That's the, um, that's the only film I haven't seen out of the list, actually. Ford it's versus really Ferrari. Good. Yeah. But the fact the fact that you said that it's just a Martian but with cars or whatever, surely that suggests that it shouldn't win an Oscar because it's quite a, a formulaic and kind of well-trodden path um, of a film. Whereas Parasite, you can't go, oh, Parasite's like this film, but, you know, Korean. It's Yeah, that's true. But I, I just think the story of it, it's like if you just want to watch a fun film, like we all know we've watched, the, we talk about The Martian quite a lot because it is a very, very good film. You'll stick it on. You're more likely to stick the Martian on than you are Parasite to watch again. That's not the mark of a good film, though, is it? It is if you in forms of entertainment. If you just want to be entertained, I'm not saying yeah, Parasite's yeah. a bad film. I'm just just kind of you know. But I just if you like, it says if you haven't seen that. Um, what else is on this list? So Marriage Story, which was excellent. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought I really like. I, I'm a bit of a fanboy with Tarantino. I know Rich, you didn't particularly enjoy that but that was because I, was out of I didn't like it because it I couldn't see the film and I couldn't hear the film <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> and I went out I, to the guy to get him to put it back in focus five times and they just ignored me the whole time yeah, so I, I, I sat there just frustrated that yeah. I wasn't getting to actually see this movie and um, I, my Netflix is still saying, do you want to carry on watching The Irishman? And I've seen you it. Still you still are? You still are? We're all still, still watching it. Oh, yeah, my God. It's, it's like, continue watching. I was like, no, I've seen it. I've, we I'm were going to sure do I've it on the pod, and then we all just decided, no, <laughs> we're not doing Awful. The Irishman. That, oh, my God. You know what? That film does not does, it doesn't deserve to be on this list. Well, let's do a quick Irishman podcast for the next five minutes before we get on to this. We're currently 20, 21 minutes into this podcast. No, no, We're no. Not really the thing about is, the film you can't, so the you Irishman can't do out it in five minutes. Two out of ten. Oh, one. <laughs> K-Dog? No, it's not, it's not that bad. I'm a fan of gangster films and I did like, I did like it. it would, uh, I, I saw it at the cinema though, so... I, I imagine it was probably more boring watching it on a screen, but at the cinema I couldn't nah. go any I couldn't go anywhere, so I had to watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, right. Even if I was strapped to the chair, 
I would just close my eyes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I would just like, nah. Aye, it's a proper I'm lullaby, isn't it? I would just like, even if someone kept me, me eyelids open, open like um, Clockwork Orange, I would still fall asleep. Like, you know what it is? It's because <laughs> Scorsese has made some absolutely amazing films and amazing gangster films and this was one of his films and it just feels like what what is he doing what is he playing at is he trying to bore boss well the thing is right i'm he's going to make another gangster film so okay i've made some of the ma- the, the best gangster films ever made um goodfellas casino you know and all of the rest of them okay i'm going to i have i'm going to make another gangster film and you go I'm just going to make a worse gangster film than them. What's the point of making it? <laughs> and it's going to be longer. And I'm going to get yeah. the same guys that I've been casting for the last 50 years. <laughs> but I'm going to make them young, <laughs> even though they don't walk young. They practically walk with canes down the street. They're supposed to look like 20 year olds. Oh my God. In terms of like his story and filmmaking ability, unbelievable. But with this film, there was no one to say no to him. Yeah, a bit like what's happening with Spielberg. No, no one's saying no, and he's he's not limited anymore. And it's just because it's Martin Scorsese. You're meant to like it, and you know what? It's, you can I, make a bad film. I much prefer when I think one of his biggest flaws was hiring older actors and making them like hip young twenty year olds. When you know you can see that the back is hurting with every scene. You know, yeah. um, it's <laughs> yeah. it, it shows that. It's a lot easier to hire young actors, I imagine, and make them old, uh, you know, as opposed to vice versa. And uh, you just sometimes you just can't do it, no matter how much CGI you throw at the screen. Um, you you just can't make the people young. He didn't need to hire younger actors to make them old because they were meant to be young in the scene. Just it's just a different actor, you know. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt played uh, Bruce Willis. In, Aye. in that film. And you know what? It looked good apart from one shot when they like transitioned. Aye. Oh yeah. When it's just Bruce Willis with long hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, before we get a one star review on this episode, because someone will complain, oh my God, they spent 24 minutes not talking about it. Can you hurry up and get to the uh, content? <laughs> Let's talk about Parasite for a bit then. Um, character development, story, writing, I thought what we could do, because <laughs> we need to make this a quick episode, is fill in more content. So before we actually talk about what we liked about the story, let's imagine that someone saw this film a couple of years ago and they're just tuning in the podcast in like 2025 and they've went on it. Let's give them a little little roundup of what Paris, what actually happens in Parasite. So what happens in Parasite? What goes on? What's this film about? Um, so there's there's a family that live like, underneath the pavement essentially in a flat don't they they live in the basement flat of like uh somewhere in in south korea and they're clearly on the low end of the poverty scale and one of the best identifiers that they are is one of the jobs is the folding pizzas pizza boxes yeah you know they get paid x amount of pennies to do so many of them so i really like that i, re- I really like that you see that the underneath the ground level and we know exactly their social status. It's yeah, which drives the motive, doesn't it? Yeah, they don't see it. We just see it, which is great. Hey, um, hey, get that <laughs> see on the t-shirt. See it sorted. <laughs> yeah, um, call the British Transport Police on. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. 
I'm, we are going to butcher most of these names. We're starting the synopsis here. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Poor family figure out they can get in a rich family's house and they all pretend to be people they're not so they can get in and then when they go on holiday, they all stay over and then before we know it, the old maid comes in because her husband is in the bunker. Everything goes wrong. They all end up like sort of killing each other and they all try to get out of it. Then the dad gets stuck in the basement and they have to try and get him out. All of a sudden, there's a birthday party. People are getting stabbed. Things go wrong. And how does it end, K-Dog? Well, the, the, the poor, poor dad who ended up killing the rich uh, dad, uh, he then goes back into the house and um, probably never never to be seen of again. But it's left ambiguous. You don't know what happens Yeah, so they actually yeah. you actually get a possible flash forward when he exits the house years later. But then it goes back to him sort of writing the letter so yeah. it's maybe it was his imagination, maybe not, but it's definitely open-ended. Yeah. So, you know, you said um, formulaic films aren't going to be as good, like you can't really think of a film that's like Parasite. Yeah. Well, this is kind of like Korean Home Alone meets <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire meets Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I can see It's like a heist, because they're heisting into the family. Yeah. It's like Home Alone because things go wrong. <laughs> and it's like... Mrs. Doubtfire because <laughs> they're pretending to be other people. <laughs> you need some sort of horror film in there, I think, as well. There's very uh, some horror elements to this. Um, I don't know what. I'll do. That's in a house. <laughs> what do you think of the writing in this then, Rob? Overall, what do you think? Yeah, I really liked it. I think, like again, it's the all of the characters are like well developed. Um, I don't think anyone really at the end uh, changes too much. They're exactly the same as where they started. They've just gone through this kind of um, situation, and I suppose they build remorse and they understand that even though, like, maybe like empathetic of the higher class, that they have problems as well, and that you you they sort of regret their decisions. So the 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 journey isn't so crystal clear, but I I definitely think that they've. reached a different point from them right yeah, at the beginning. I, mean, I, think, I, think, I, th- I think that... K-Dog, right. you've got three strikes, like, and if not, we're going to mute you on this because you don't edit this episode. Right, Rob, you keep going. K-Dog, show me. Mm. <laughs> no, it's I the think, first time I, I did that. <laughs> You're always talking over people. Well, it's hard on a video call, hey, you know what? It? We're 40 minutes late into this because of you. So, <laughs> have I an update here? <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait. I'll, on, kid, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> carry on, Rob. Can I start? Or are you just going to carry yeah. on bigger? One? <laughs> All right, okay. Um, well, I think they actually only like change when the sister dies. Like something so dramatic and so so serious happens that one of the family members dies. The father, then you know, he he obviously he gets in, he's in the basement, but we don't know if that ever happens. But I. I I cannot see, you know, when we see the flash forward, I can't actually see that happening. They're very clever people, you know, they they infiltrate this home and they're, they're clearly not stupid, but I just I just think that they don't, we, we don't actually see a lot after actually the house, uh, if they do change or not. We just see him go back and I'm assuming it's that night when he's writing the letter, like mm-hmm. the night afterwards. Maybe a week later or something. Yeah, he has brain surgery. After and the grieving like that, so. process, things like that. Yeah, yeah so the... I don't think we see too much of a change, um, but I think that's completely fine. I think the situation and everything they did, it was worth the journey of just watching them do that. Um, yeah. K-Dog? 
Am I allowed to talk now? <laughs> yeah, of course you can, mate. You go ahead. What I do like about this film is the 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 respect that the filmmaker has for the characters. Like every single character in this film, the rich and the poor, they're all very three dimensional, and you they aren't cliches of themselves. Like sometimes you would have like you know. I don't know, the poor family being very stupid and, and gullible and the rich family being, uh, I don't know, very evil people because they're rich, you know? Whereas yeah. these, the rich family aren't really dumb and they, they aren't total villains either. Like you really. And they're not like cartoons. No, no. And you don't necessarily, don't, the rich family don't necessarily do anything in the film that makes you as a viewer hate them. Um, but as the film goes on, you realize that the members of the, the poor family, um, you know, start hating them just because of the, what they represent in society, and and you know, on the flip side, the poor family, they're doing very very manipulative things, right? You could write a version of this story when where the the poor people are the villains, um, but through the character development and the way they're set up and the kind of the relationship they have with each other, um, you understand why they're acting the way they are. Like they're, they're doing it because they have to out of necessity. And they just don't have the same resources, the same finances, the same um, social standing as the rich family. So they have to be a bit more, you know, street smart about it. And you kind of get that as a viewer and you don't, yeah, they're not villainous and you kind of, you feel for them. And because they're the underdogs, you're rooting for them. Despite, yeah. despite those, those are the people that are manipulating the family. Um, so I do, yeah. I do, I do like that about this film, uh, that you kind of feel for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I swayed between thinking that they were protagonists to antagonists and back again, and then realised it's kind of like, well, all they're doing is putting different perspectives on different social classes of people. It's really kind of like the filmmaker mm. saying, look, man, you look look at how much you're judging these people, like all yeah. of these people, all the time. What he's doing is he's putting like a microscope on each of the social classes and uh, showing, like, for example, like the, the, rich, the rich family... Like the 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 father, you know, comments on like the smell of like the guy, and he says he smells like a subway. And the 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 wife goes, "Well, I've been on a subway for years." And it's like, you know what? Rich people would have that conversation because they don't have to ride the subway, and it stinks. Like, it's, yeah, they're not. It's not horrible what they're saying. It's just kind of it's fact a little. It's bit. not. It's not horrible. It's just. It's just ignorant. And yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's ignorance because it's just the world they live in. They don't realize it's ignorance. And we've all, I think the reason that this film resonates around the world is that everyone's experienced that person. Like everyone's felt that they are being judged by a particular class of people or a particular group of people. And there's, you know, you do things to try and fit in and there's nothing you can do that will, will you know, help you get accepted into this, whatever group you're trying to be part of. Um, so it's, I think it's a great story in terms of being, that ambition to transcend where you're born. I was almost thinking that this film was going to go a t totally different way because we get the poor family and they've in infiltrated and they're all having a party and drinking the expensive whiskey. And we know that they're quite clever. And I was thinking that they were going to find a way to like get their names on like the deed of the property and sort of take over. Yeah, same. I thought as, that was good. As the film... Going sort of st the title states like they are a parasite and they're going to get in and work their way in like a virus or, or a cancer mm -hmm. um, and then the halfway point or midpoint is when we, we get that massive twist that makes them trip up and it's the um, 
the former maid who also had a plan and it's like, oh, you're not that clever because we've got someone else who's done something way more clever than you for a much longer time. What did you think of that that sort of midpoint plot twist where she comes back in and there's um there's a <laughs> K-Dogs down in the bunker? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I definitely, I had no idea that was going to happen. Like, I, I didn't know where the story was going to go. Um, and when that, yeah, it, it's very much a tonal shift, isn't it, in the film? Like, it, it was quite, it was quite upbeat and full of humor the first half of the film, and then suddenly and we were ruined for them for quite a bit. Like, yeah, the, look at this, look at how clever they are. They're like, you know, he's getting a good job, and like, oh, getting the rich guys. Like, where you get in? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, it's like a humorous heist, like you say, right? It's like there's a bit of fun about it, um, and then out of nowhere. Everything's going well for them. It's like the peak, isn't it, in the middle of the film where everything everything's perfect, everyone's happy, everyone's, and and everything's been achieved that they were setting out to. And then suddenly that humour just dissipates and it becomes a lot more serious from then on out. Like we never get back to that tone that it was before. And it becomes even a bit scarier. And um, uh, But I, th- I think it's quite scary as well because it's quite plausible, like the scenario, you know, like this person yeah. living in the bunker. Um, and I, I, I did catch me off guard but it really drew me into the film like you were just hooked from then on in and it didn't feel jarring either that shift in tone which in a lot of films it could have but i don't know how he did it but yeah it was a great a great shift thinking about that now you know what i really appreciated was our halfway point we need to know some extra information we need new exposition because we've just introduced a new character so let's call her the former maid I'm not going to try and pronounce people's names. Let's just give them sort of the character trait. Um, she turns up. We reveal that the husband's there. And then throughout the, that, you know, the next five minutes, she has to explain, like, oh, I was here before the other people and my husband's here and like, he's, you know, not well and things like that. And that's like some proper expositional dump on yeah. us when we're trying to, you know, keep going with the film. But I don't feel like the pace was shot and I feel like the way that they got along with it makes sense and it made us realize it's it's literally one of the uh the systems of exposition and that's teaching a character who doesn't know what they should know and the the most obvious example is in Raiders of the Lost Ark when uh, Indiana Jones has to tell the FBI agents this is the ark this is the ark of the covenant and this is the staff of Ra or whatever and like he's li- he's telling the audience, but he's really telling these FBI guys who don't know, just like the audience doesn't know. So I appreciated that it wasn't like a big expos dump. It was like, oh, I'm going to tell these characters because at this point they actually asked the question. And then you've got that you've got that scene where she's ex- explaining, yeah, dumping this exposition, and then very quickly you've got one of the most tense scenes in the film where she gets the call that the family's actually coming back and then they have to clean up the mess and they have to miss, she has to make the food and they have to like make sure those people are in on the underground and we have to hide and it's like boom, 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 boom. Pace goes right up. Our heart rates go right up. Um, so it's, yeah, that kind of, that fluidity of the film is just like masterclass, I think, in terms of, all right, here's your exposition. Let's take a break from that and give you some the most tense stuff you'll ever ever see on a film and then we'll slow down again when everyone's hiding and you can chill out again uh it's just yeah i can't think of many films where it does it so seamlessly there were some clever points of writing that i, I appreciated that were 
maybe when they did the first few drafts of the script, they probably had it as text or dialogue. And they obviously, like, they brought it down into subtext. And there was one bit in particular was when uh, the dad was... So the, let's call him the poor dad. So the poor dad, he becomes the driver. And the the rich dad talks about how he doesn't step over the line. Something like that, isn't it? Doesn't yeah, cross the yeah, line. Yeah. Um, and yet we, we see throughout that he's starting to cross the line more and more. And then like, like we, we see like he's sort of like turning back and not looking at the road and paying attention. And until that point, we sort of thought that these guys were like these this heist family that were like, somehow just knew exactly what to do and at that point we started to see the weaknesses and and it sort of made a light lovely little catalyst moment to intrigue me and to go oh i, I want to see what happens when he starts to mess up and it, it, that was sort of like maybe a, a third way into the film and that sort of gave yeah. me a little extra fire to watch the rest of it I do, I do think um when the maid does turn up to the house and she buzzes i i just think the type of people they are and have been set up to be up until that point I don't think that she would open the door um, because the very these characters are very selfish. They're ruthless, aren't they? Really, yeah. And I, I, I don't think they would open the door. So you, you were, you didn't believe the character um, motivation there. Yeah, it, it was, it was strange when, like, because I really liked the scene where they're all in the house. I was waiting for that kind of them just sitting, getting drunk in someone else's house. You know, that's that's quite a common thing. I think you know when. Uh, the main characters can get away with just being free in somewhere else. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's in lots of lots of films. But And then when the buzzer goes, it's just like, oh, right, but then we get the the time pressure of, you know, the uh, the rich family coming back. So that's what helps with the, the progression of all of those plot points that you've been talking and about. And that's it's another like, quite common thing, isn't it? It's yeah, like, ooh, yeah. we could quickly run around, get, get everything yeah, cleaned yeah. up. Yeah, um, but I, ju- I just... That's the one plot point where I'm just like, I don't think they would open the door as characters. The thing that might help is they're really drunk and then they don't know what, what's really going on. Because it was the mother, wasn't it? And the mother really, she seems really clever, really ruthless, quite sort of strict in her ways, um, crafty, scrappy sort of. And really, mm. not that like we've seen that they're not the p- sort of politest people, but they can put on that persona. And you would just think that she would be like, "Oh, piss off! Like I don't want to talk yeah. to you. Whatever." I, I can't let you in. I'll get I'll get wrong from like you know the the rich the rich par- the rich mother. If if she finds out you were here, you know I really should speak to her first. It's just like you could easily play that card, and the other woman would be like, "All right, okay," and then she would have yeah. to break the door down to get in. Essentially, I suppose wasn't wasn't there a line or two where I think either the daughter or the son kind of expressed concern or remorse about the the, the former housekeeper where they were like, oh, is, is, do you think, have we gone too far here? Is she going to be okay? And then I think the mother says, oh, she'll be fine. She'll get another job right away, right away. So there was some some remorse there. Probably just needed a little bit more, make it a bit more obvious. And I suppose to be fair to the family, it, they could never have imagined how bad it would be when they let that person in. Like they wouldn't have yeah. never have imagined like there's a person living underground, right? It's kind of like, but I just don't know if they'll let her in the house and they'll be like, oh, so what do you want? Just tell us where it is and I'll bring it to Considering the door. Considering they're already speaking to each other mm-hmm. and it's on an yeah. intercom and they've got that security to deny her access. So yeah. do you think what they maybe should have done? I know we do. How would we do it differently? But let's jump on that now. Do you think 
if they reworked that scenario, so she found a way to get into the house, sort of like they open the front door and she just automatically steps in and they're like, oh, it's a bit awkward this, we can't sort of... Hmm. We, yeah. we we can't admit that we were all here drunk. I have to put this persona. She could have just on. had her old key. I do think if she just walked in, they would have just like lamped her over the head and like knocked her out <laughs> straight away. So I think. But the thing is, what I do like about it, when that woman comes into the house, she goes straight to the basement, opens the door, and we're following her through the corridors for quite a while. There's about five yeah. or six corridors, and it's just like what to the audience. It's like whoa, where we're we going now. This is we haven't yeah. seen this bit. And we're still going, and we're still going, and then we get that reveal, which I really do like. It. We speak about this quite often, and it's like, okay, where can the plot go next? Write out twenty different ways it can go, and this is definitely the twentieth. This is not <laughs> yeah. the first or the oh, second, yeah. you know. Yeah. And this is this is what um, you know we we speak about it all the time, and it we've we've done things, and and it's and it's a shame when you don't see other other filmmakers and other writers do this because. You can clearly see they've chose the first one. And, you know, we've only wrote, we're working on features, but we've only really wrote shorts. But even then, I think we're always thinking about how far can we take this? Obviously, we've got budgetary extra, uh, constraints. Constraints, that's it, thank you. And and stuff like that. So we, ha- we can't go to the 20th one. Maybe it's the 10th one, because that's the only one we can afford or actually pull off with our current ability. You know, He's made quite a few films now and he's definitely went, this is, I've got to go further. I've got to completely flip this on this head and uh, put this thriller aspect into it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, it changes from a heist film into a thriller film at this point. Yeah, definitely. It's like almost like a horror film, like Monster in the House sort of thing, isn't it? Maybe them not letting her in in the room, in the house is just nitpicking. Would you say that that, that's your only like big gripe in terms of story or do you, do you have anything else? Because I know you were saying you would l- have liked a, a more more of a journey of them changing, becoming better versions of themselves. You said because they don't change. Yeah, they don't really change. And obviously when they're, they are doing it for completely selfish reasons all the way through until the very, very end. Um, so maybe it's a little bit more how it's helped them after this because it's like yeah this experience probably didn't help him get a really good job and then buy that house um honestly think they've probably got those skills anyway because I, I i think if they put the mind to it they could probably do anything they didn't have to infiltrate this house that the both of those kids could have went to college and got a good degree and made a lot of money maybe maybe they just didn't want to do like the the legit method like it shows that they're not they're not thick the the very clever, like Just really lazy, clever, yeah. but lazy. Yeah. No, I don't think that's the message. The me- like the message is no matter how clever they are, they're never going to reach that social status or class. It's like they're just they've got the system is pinned against them, so they have to be manipulative and they have to be conniving to, to in order to achieve the, the you know the, the status that the rich family have in the house. Uh, I, th- I think I think the status thing though it's not really like we see where they live and we see where the rich person lives but it's just like okay what have you done to get out of that situation? But not everyone can get out of the situation. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't tell us that it doesn't you know one of them's just lost his job uh, and one of them does she work somewhere the daughter I'm not too sure. I suppose 
we we do have films that already exist like that and that would be something like the pursuit of happiness you know with will smith and his son and this film's it's not an underdog story where they rise up from the ashes and the show the rich people that that they're just as good as they are um it's more like the very very snide and it's more of uh, um what's the word don't know anyway <laughs> yeah was there was there anything else in terms of writing that we could talk about like is is there anything else in writing that you thought well i suppose the son the the poor son is the only one who sort of has a complete journey although we have that open bookend which i, I quite liked i thought that was a positive more than a negative the thing is with the son he has the skill to teach english that's what he's teaching isn't it um, yeah to the girl and his mate comes along and gives him this opportunity to go and teach English uh, because he is the best person for the job. That's what his mate says. So why hasn't he gone out and found a job to teach English? And yes, his social status could come into that, but social status in teaching English, you don't need to be teaching English to a high, a high family who can like, who's got loads of money. You can teach English to any family in a school or a college or whatever it is. You could go and get a job doing that so he is yeah. lazy he's got the skills he's just he doesn't want to do it yeah. until this opportunity comes along to a rich person's house like he doesn't want to do it for anyone sounding, else so if anything you're, you're sounding a bit like a Tory <laughs> no how is he sounding like a Tory is it not just they want to get back at the higher class like it's almost like a revenge thing they want to be snide and and, and crafty about it the, and they, the they get pleasure by fooling this rich higher class rather than putting their skills to use. Cause if it was just a film about poor people who were really clever, who put their skills to use, we wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Against it, it, it kind of has to be the rich family, but it's just like, we'll, we'll, we'll only do this job if we get paid like the highest amount, <laughs> like they're not doing for anything less. So are you any better than the rich people? Probably well, not. they they don't like to work. Do they? Like at the beginning, we showed that they they didn't really work much, and they they just wanted to get through, get a bit of money to sort of pay the bills and things like that. Clearly, they they don't want lots of bills because they try to steal the Wi-Fi and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was more an opportunistic thing, isn't it? The yeah. the poor son managed to get that opportunity and realised that they could do something more, and they, they they snapped on that opportunity rather than than being like they're crafty people who are lazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with the opportunity though, that with the opportunity gives them money. You know, they they even sit around the table and go, "We've got the the money that's coming into this household is you know quite a lot, but we don't ever see them do anything with it." I think I know what you mean. I th- I think a, you're saying that you would have liked like maybe some more setup at the beginning to show that these people have tried and they've been knocked back and knocked back, and this is kind of a last resort. Would that have made would have made their journey more likable? Yeah. Or- um, it's like, oh, this we, maybe you probably wouldn't have time to show it in scenes, but maybe a bit more exposition, maybe with his friend when he's like, oh, I've done this and I've done that and nothing's happened. And like, yeah, um, it's like, uh, it's kind of like, this is, this is it. Otherwise we're going to be homeless. So, you know, something like that. So you wanted desperation. You wanted them to be more desperate about it. They're not. They're not desperate. They're, they're clearly still yeah, eating. They're okay. I would say that the desperation does the desperation not come halfway through with the rain with the rainstorm when they go back and uh, all of their their flat and all of their neighbourhood is literally flooded and they don't have anything anymore, um, 
And that's when the desperation and the need comes in because they're literally homeless at this point and they don't have any clothes on except the clothes on their back. Um, yeah, but they go back they go back to the house straight away, do a job, kill someone, and then go back to the flat. The flat's fine. They've got everything. They don't lose anything in that storm. Of course they do. What do they lose? What do you mean? The, the flat's fine? It's, it's, it's like a, it's a swimming pool? At the very end of the film, he's in the flat and mm. everything is back to normal. They haven't lost anything. Yeah, well, they've lost time. They've probably lost some possessions. I'm sure there's something that they've definitely lost. But like you say, they, they, they got out of it alive. Yeah. 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 They, I mean, yeah. some of them did. <laughs> some, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the flood in the flat that killed them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I would have liked to seen a little bit about how this um kind of opportunities um benefited them because we never see how them working for that family benefits them in any way apart from now they have to go to work. Um, you know, they don't they don't improve as people, they don't improve their living situation um or anything like that. They're still quite lazy mm-hmm. in the terms of we'll just live in this flat and where does all of the money go? Are they a family of anti heroes then? Because they're sort of they're doing things yeah, that I'm rooting yeah. for, but they're yeah. not doing things for noble causes. Like I love the fact that they were sort of oh, getting getting the one up on the rich guys, like that was cool. But at the same time, like they're not good guys, are they? No, no but no. I think they get the one up on the good guys by tricking them into doing a job for them and being a maid. Um, I don't think that's necessarily getting a one up because you're still just doing the job that they, you know, you're a servant essentially. You yeah. are now. You're not. It's it's not like you know you're his best mate and you're really good friends and you're getting yeah. you know getting all but of these they, good they opportunities. But they play on that throughout as well because the 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 first they think they're getting a one up on them because they're not just any sort of maid. She is like the top maid who's probably yeah. getting paid yeah. absolutely loads. So like they're still in the service class, but they're at the the top of the game at that point. But then they play on the fact that they're still sort of their servants maybe halfway through the film when he, he talks about, oh, like my, my driver, like he smells like the subway. And then they, yeah. th- at that point they realize, oh Christ, okay, we're, we're still lower than these people. And that's when they start to become malicious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I just think I wish I, there was a scene where we actually seen them enjoying what they do and like the money. And maybe it could have been, I did actually recall thinking the same thing because we we go back halfway through the film and yeah we, their life is and they're still in the sub-basement yeah. maybe there could have been okay. a line or even the line at the end with his monologue at the end around how oh I used the money that we all earned um, during this period to put towards yeah. my college education and then I'm going to use that to kind of ri- rise up in society uh, or something like that did he not did he not say that I think he, he said, said he was going to go to college I can't remember how he said he got the money maybe he did yeah. say right. that yeah. yeah. I've I've got a I've got a fact here, an early fact about the money. So uh Bong Jung Hung, who who? Is that the di- the director of this film? Um claims it would take Bong uh, five, Jun Ho. Yeah. It claims it would take five hundred and forty years for Kim J- Jai Wu to buy the house based on his salary. It would take him how long? Uh, five hundred and forty years. So he's just basically said the, the he's basically said that this ambiguous ending isn't ambiguous, yeah. and that it just didn't it would never happen. Yeah, basically. So ah, yeah. uh, ruined. <laughs> anyway, yeah, really good. I like the fact that um, in terms of the roles, they 
it's part casting, part directing, and, and maybe some of the writing as well. But like the characters didn't like look sort of like um like stereotypes of of what you would think. So like the um the daughter, like you know she she was a bit arty, but didn't really have anything else going for her. And then all of a sudden she puts on like this pant suit and becomes this art therapist. Yeah, they didn't really seem cartoony. I like how like lifelike everyone seemed. Um, they didn't have these like crazy, like obvious, like silhouettes of like the nerd and like the dad is like, you know, he's like fat and bald and, and you know, like a bit of a Homer Simpson. Like they didn't seem like the Simpsons is what I'm saying. And they didn't seem like, like trailer trash, if you know what I mean. Uh, I like the, uh, the dad's performance particularly, um, because he, he was responsible for a lot of facial expressions. Like he was responsible for mm. portraying a lot of things without words. Um, and his expressions said a lot about how he was feeling at that time. So particularly with when um, the rich guy like talked about how they smelled and he always had to make a face with that. And um, you kind of felt, you, you felt a lot of his emotions purely out of his expressions. The, the dad's in uh, Snowpiercer, he plays uh, the, drug, the drug addict who like fixes the train and stuff. Um, oh, right. he, he plays he plays a really good part in that too. Like he's a, I mean, I think he's in all of the the, the director's films. He's like he's the first person he casts. He's always in. Yeah. He's like he's always in. Uh, that. My favorite scene is when of his is you know in the montage when they're kind of framing the 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 maid and getting her out and the whole story about making it look like she has TB or whatever like that. And the dad yeah. the dad's kind of leading that, isn't he? He's the main. He's acting this part for the yeah. for the rich wife. And the the moment where he picks up the tissue out of the bin and it's just this facial expression is just like, it's really good. Like, you really acted that. Like, he was acting, acting. And um, I just thought it was quite funny. It was quite a funny facial expression. Yeah, in terms of performance for this film, like, it's really stellar. The fact that it's a foreign film and like, like Rob said earlier, um, the fact that, you know, the subtitles come on pretty quick. They don't give you too much time to read it. They get on with it. Yeah, you know what's going on the whole time. Um, the a lot of the film is is directed through subtext, uh, rather than dialogue, and a lot of the dialogue is only really in place to sort of create more subtext that means something else. It's just it's very sort of it's very actory, but also really fun at the same time. Yeah, just really good. So there's like performance direction, but what do you think of like the overall vision of this film, like the identity of this movie? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, between the two locations, because uh, this is, you know, pretty much a two-location film, uh, you know, you definitely see the difference in between, you know, the dirt and the grime to the um, to the sleek and straight lines of the house. Um, that's 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 something easy to do in films and to show just between the locations. Um, and you know, I think that's when when he was writing this, he, he definitely had that vision in mind and. I think I read somewhere where you actually had the house in mind and the design of it and how it looked and everything. Yeah, so. you can look online and they made 3D models of absolutely everything. Yeah. And it definitely shows. So like in terms of things like the art direction and the cinematography, I was just thinking like the geography of the house, like the really expensive house, is laid out so well. You know, like we've got this giant um, living room and then the garden in front, the kitchen right behind it. And we understand... Like if, if you went in the front door, I would be able to get to that basement and know where that basement is just by watching this film. It, we, we, we go in, we go right, we get past the kitchen, we t- mm-hmm. take a left, we go down that dark room and then we go around the corner. 
And the fact yeah. that they managed to map all of that out without making it super obvious as well um, is a is real testimony to how much, um, like you're saying, like they 3D modeled the whole the whole house. Yeah. And um, if they fa- if obviously this is the, they've built this as a set, um, and it makes sense, and it means that when you're watching the film, you're not struggling to figure out what's going on. Kind of like yeah. some of the fundamental rules of filmmaking, like the 180 and the 30 degree rule, like. Some people like to talk about how you can break these rules, but honestly, like you can't break these rules 95% of the time. And sometimes when people say they're breaking the rule, they're not breaking the rule, they're re-establishing it. Anyway, um, all of that stuff makes for a really easy watch and you don't have to worry about these things. You can just really get yourself engrossed into the story. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, you could probably watch a lot of this film without any, uh, just just watching it uh, without any You could any watch it on, on mute. Yeah, because I, I think I think with the like K Dog said, with the facial expressions of the actors and then kind of the locations and everything and especially that house and how you can just move through it. It's like, yeah, you could you could visually just watch this, have it on the background and you would everything I mean, move on a little bit of cinematography, but you know, that the house is all well lit. Um there's very few, you know, stylistic lighting because it's a house, it's where people live, it's you know, it's all well lit and natural and there's not too much dramatic you know to, there's not like a really bright backlight and things like yeah, that yeah it's, it's not just, like super styly it's not no, like no. drive because you're in you're in your home and that's what your house looks like and it, it feel with all of that added in between the two homes it feels like somewhere you could actually live you know uh which is which is super cool for just the visual identity of it to help tell the story. But yeah, definitely between the two houses, there's a massive difference in just size. There is. Yeah, like it's 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 funny because you, you think of the, the sub-basement and you would think that would be a difficult thing to shoot, but the fact that they've done it in like a half-basement means that you get that window into the living room almost at a bird's eye view, which I thought was quite clever. And the fact that they are... Yeah, like their, their eye line when they look outside of the house is at like the feet of everyone else which mm-hmm. again is like that is that is total uh metaphor for the social class of these people uh, like what's interesting about the two like locations is so the their their little flat they've got there's so much stuff in it there's stuff on every single wall uh it's super busy isn't it first of all you don't have a lot of money and you definitely don't have a lot of space to store the stuff but when you look into the big house the expensive house obviously they probably have more stuff than the poor people do, but in their living room, there's nothing. There's a sofa. There's nothing. It's a sofa and a coffee table. There's not even a TV, I don't think. I don't think you see no, a TV. No, they're not. In- they don't have a TV, which I thought was really clever. They have a giant patio going to a garden that is blocked off. They don't even have a view. They've literally just got trees and grass. So it just shows that the the poor people probably have more possessions than the most the more expensive people. The, more, the, the, ex, the rich people just have expensive <laughs> so, yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's what they say, isn't it? It's um, it's expensive having space. Or yeah. It's more expensive. It's you have to be rich to have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I know what you mean. Me, I know what you mean. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it's very expensive to have this much space or this mm-hmm. much. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> People know what I mean. <laughs> um. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, when we talk about stuff like that, like I didn't really think about it, but now that we're speaking about it, like things, the cinematography, art direction, and then the overall visual identity of this film, like it, it feels very Bong Joon Ho. You know, mm-hmm. it, it see, it feels similar to 
Snowpiercer in that sense, even though like the cinematography of Snowpiercer is very particular to being basically on a dozen carriages up a train. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like he's got a style, but it's it's not it's it's not comic like. It's not very cartoonish. It almost feels uh, ooh, let's say a little bit Fincher esque. A little bit left yeah, of center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not su- It's not like uber realism. It's not like we're watching a fictional documentary. Well, it's got um, but, it's got smartphones in it, so it's it's a little bit yeah. than feature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's it feels very visionary for being something that's that's not sort of like make believe fantasy. What's interesting about the locations as well because they're all sets, aren't they? They're all built. Um, as far yeah, as I'm aware, everything's yeah, a set. Yeah, yeah, it is, but. Normally, when you build a set, you can remove walls. With this, you can't. It's actually like a, a structure. So, like, there's some behind the scenes photographs, and it's just like the cameras in the room. It's not behind the wall hasn't been taken away. You know, yeah. like that you would do with a, like a fake walls and stuff in sets. Can you like, say about that? Because like some of the mm. shots, you, you you can clearly see the ceiling, and I think that's what what's missing from some films where they're shooting on a set. You don't get that sense of realism because. Yeah. The fact that they don't have a ceiling because they're going to have loads of lights, but mm-hmm. maybe the architecture of this film was made in a way so they could use more natural lighting and, and get away with it, such as that giant patio window. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of strip lights everywhere, so you know like what people put behind desks and above ceilings and under your cabinets and stuff. So right. that that that's the um, the practical light in the scene and the motivation from like certain angles when you're shooting. But then there's probably some form of light to the side or above, which is yeah. you know uh, providing more light. But it's all done by the practicals that would be in the scene, and then they're the motivators, and then you add more light in just to get exposure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about special slash visual effects. Let's talk about the physical stuff first. Um, stabby stabby uh, heads getting barred in by big rocks and that that was pretty gruesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. Looks good. Other than that, oh. Actually, m- one massive special effect, they, m- they managed to flood the street and the house. So yeah, as far yeah. as I'm aware, that's all a set. And um, it looked incredible. I was like, whoa, mate, this is like Titanic. This is well good. <laughs> and did you say this was an indie film? This is an independent film. I think, rel- like, well, it's all relative, isn't it? But it, yeah, it didn't have a big uh, It's not studio. a studio. It movie. didn't have a studio behind it. I, no, I... I think he was. He, he's made films before, so he would have got a lot of. Um, he's got some pollen power. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like a hot fuzz. Yeah. It's an independent movie, but it's, you know, by a big director who can who can pull in some producers. Yeah. The budget. The budget was eleven point four million, so not a big budget. It's not a lot, at all is it? Yeah. It's. No. I feel like the the budget was spent well, like eleven eleven million dollars. It nearly made three hundred million, so it made its money back. <laughs> Nice. I hope someone at, a, at the back end of uh, of that contract written in. <laughs> well, um, let's talk about visual effects then, because I think this is probably going to surprise most people. But the fact that there is an absolute shed load of VFX in this film. Did you notice any VFX? Nah, neither did I, because they were <laughs> absolutely unreal. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of like set extensions, a lot of green screen work to sort of transform what is like one little road or one thing into like this like bustling city um mm. it's the visual effects that you don't notice at all it's very sort of in the same sense as what fincher does it's not 
showy. Um, it's supposed to be completely invisible. And these are the types of visual effects that completely inert the argument that practical is always better. Because, like, well, you didn't notice it, so it's perfect. And this is what, like, 90% of visual effects is most of the time. Um, did you notice Star-Lord in the background going past, flying, no, shooting in that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there was, did you mention how many visual effects there are? Because I'm just getting that fact up. No, what, what, how many? Uh, there's 480 visual effects, which is a lot of visual effects. That is... <laughs> that is a lot. Right that's, there. Yeah, that's... 399 more than one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what the thing is, right? This is an Oscar-winning film. It won four Oscars, and this is the quality of the podcast we're putting out this week. <laughs> if this is the first one people tune into, it's usually a little bit... <laughs> You know what? Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is what you're getting. <laughs> um, editing. What did you think of that? Pace. We spoke a little bit about pace. Yeah, I think I think pace was spot on. In terms, I think there were so many different elements to this film that um, it was easy to keep at that pace. I think what I, you know, the first arc, what's it called? The first, the first third, what's it called? The first story arc of Act. the film. Act, that's the word, of the film could have dragged on because they had to get four of their family members into this house and they had to tell each of those four stories of how they got in, each one being more intricate and convoluted as they go along. But um, they kind of got faster and faster and faster and built to that five minute montage of getting that, the, uh, the, the mother in, which was the last one, which is the end of act one. Then we start again. Um, Technically, that's Act 2, I would say. Act 1 would have been the son realising he can get people in. All right, well, what would you say was the Act 3 then? Act 3 will be the wrap-up. It'll be the stabbing scene further on. I would have have put Act 2 starting um, when everything's kind of going, they've kind of achieved their goal. And then we, we enter in. No, that's our midpoint. So that would, if it was a three-act structure, Act 2 is twice as long as Act 1 and 3. Okay. So you, you think of it like four acts. Yeah. Then it would be act three would be when the what, what what time in the film do you former. think what time in the film do you think they uh, got in and that kind of lull in the in the, the the kind of relief in the middle. What when they're getting drunk? Yeah. Quarter past nine it was. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that not our halfway point when they're all drunk on the sofa? <laughs> I imagine yeah. <laughs> Good that one. It was good that one. It was that was that was a good <laughs> yeah. joke. Yeah, I'm I'm really really uh, tired right now, so I thought that was quite good. So yeah, in terms of pacing, there's a lot there's a lot to tell. Well, this is this is a thing that maybe Rob it, it, was a negative for Rob the fact that we had we didn't have enough of the characters at the beginning to sort of justify the reasoning for some motivations later on. Possibly, but it's you know you kind of get because we got situation. right into it, didn't we? We really, it was quite snappy. I quite like the fact that it was sleek. Yeah, you know, you, you, you make a good that point situation. that the fact that, yeah, yeah like the, when you said earlier about we never see them spending money, like all this money they're earning. But at the same time, like it, would that not detract away from the fact that we're in sort of more or less two locations, and we're we're pretty much in the rich location the whole time? Like, imagine if we had a montage of them buying suits and like spending and doing like yeah. a, a dress up montage and stuff. It. it it sort of probably would have made it a bit too long. I, I just feel that, we're, you know, for these being poor people, we spend more time in the rich world than we do in their poor world. Um, yeah. And I just I just think just a little bit more time. I have just made a note, which I'll speak about, of how you do it differently. 
of like how all oh, you got do, a doozy like do well how no it's like how you would do that differently in terms of like them you know getting the money and showing it and and stuff like that but it's awful it would be a worse film so <laughs> all right all right well pitch it and we'll uh we'll let you, you know if we now? would say yes to it yeah. <laughs> no no do it when we do how would you do it differently that'd be good <laughs> Um, yeah, editing. I, I, I didn't feel. I didn't notice the scene changes in this. I didn't. I didn't look at my watch at any point. Um, how long is this film? It's I didn't ten. even know. Two. Yeah, just over two. Two ten. Yeah. So it's over two, two hours. Two ten. Yeah. All right. In terms of pacing, then it really, it really keeps you, keeps you with it. And there's some like slow scenes, but not slow in terms of boring. No. no. I editing. Bang on. I'd say. <laughs> We're not. We won't turn that into a thing. I just, no. oh, only if he's one. Only if he's one. Like bang on. Yeah, yeah like it's fine. It's pretty cool. We don't have to say. Nah, it. that's right. Don't have to say. Quarter past nine. <laughs> <laughs> sound sound design. I'll tell you what I really liked. What I really really liked. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is probably the latest we've uh, recorded a podcast. Um, so I think we're going a little bit like. E you know. dearie me. Um, footsteps were really good. I'll I noticed this. The pitter patter. Filmlookstore.com. Oh yeah, filmlook.com forward slash store. You can get the footsteps pack. If anyone wants to email saying that they heard about the footstep pack on the podcast, let us know. We'll give you 10% off. Alright, anyway. Um we'll probably get an email in like four months' time. We'll be like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> What's this about? Um what was I saying? Sound design. The pitter patter of bare feet on hardwood floors. Absolutely, utterly disgusting. But sounded really realistic because I recorded them last year yeah, for the uh, for the uh, footstep pack. And you can really hear the sweaty feet mm. pulling off the hardwood well, floors. It's, it's like you can either make it sound good or make it sound correct. And like with stuff like that, it's just like, just make it sound correct. Because if you make it sound good, it's just not going to be realistic at all. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we should put that as the tagline. For for the footstep pack, make it sound good it, or make it sound correct. Do Download the full film footstep pack <laughs> now. Filmbookstore.com forward slash store. <laughs> Did you um, have anything for sound design? Um, just thinking, I didn't notice it because I normally don't. But uh, the, there was quite a lot of rain following this, wasn't there? There's a big, you know, ten minutes of rain, and I didn't yep. notice that. And I I I remember the rain. <laughs> you know, I remember the sound of the rain, but I also remember all of the other noises. Um, the ambient noise is going on in the background as well. There's just a little inward burp there. <laughs> By the way, oh can I just say? Oh my god! Yeah. And how did you? How did you not notice the rain? There was a flood. Like no, I mean I didn't. I, I when I say I didn't notice the rain, I mean I didn't notice the you sound were of the into rain. Into the atmosphere. Yeah. Did you close your eyes? It didn't pull you out. That's the 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 fact that they shot. There was rain in this film, yeah. and the 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 sound was so good. It was perfectly embedded into the movie that you didn't even think. That's what I was trying to articulate. For one second, yes. that oh, there is rain and someone has put that in. Yeah. Cool. Score slash soundtrack. I think it was a score, wasn't it? It wasn't a soundtrack. I believe so. Yeah. I can't yeah, remember hearing any, think of that? any music. No. There's music. There's uh, music. There's I mean, music like banging pop tunes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. There was one thing, because um, with this being a modern Korean film, I was expecting like a bit of bit of K-pop to like jump in at some point, 
I'm really happy it, it didn't because <laughs> uh, that would have been really weird. But it's mostly like the pianos and uh, what, what do they call that weird piano where it's like on the um, clavner something? Stevie Wonder used to play it all the time. <laughs> Wurlitzer, there's a Wurlitzer in there <laughs> All right, somewhere. yeah. There's also lots of violins. I think it was very classical, wasn't it, the score? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose a lot of classical music when they're in the rich house just to, I think that demonstrates wealth doesn't it and not like massive symphony music but more like sort of like chill out yeah, yeah. jazzy sort of stuff I d- instead I, d- I don't know about that like I was in um, our mate's van today and it's a banger banged up transit van banging uh, it's like really bad classical music that's his favourite thing to listen to while he's in the van <laughs> He's uh, like, classic FM is. He's, he's probably he's, he's as he's driving along. Like, he's probably just trying thinking he's in like a Mercedes. Why isn't his classic? Just to I, the, uh, I like listening to classical music when I'm out, yeah, just because it makes me feel like I'm in a film. Like yeah, <laughs> it makes me feel like I've got my own soundtrack as I'm walking. Yeah. One time I, d- I drove home from work, and they had like a video game classical music soundtrack. Mm. And the music to Skyrim came on. Oh, nice. I was driving home. It's like, nah, nah, nah. I, I don't remember what the Skyrim thing is. I was going to do Pirates of the Caribbean there. <laughs> this morning, this morning actually on Classic FM, they had. Um... So we all we all listen to Classic FM. Everyone listens to Classic FM. We all thought we were special in our own way, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> no this morning not. was just all Hans Zimmer. I was just like, this is class. oh yeah, like nice, nice. So uh, score. <laughs> banging banging <laughs> bang on and bong oh, oh, yes. bang on bong oh, I've just I've, I've just thought of like our rating system now get in how would you do it differently Rob <laughs> pitch this idea alright so what I was thinking of like uh, what would this film be like if it was uh, made in the US by a US filmmaker and it was all which US filmmaker Nah, just one of the generic ones. Um, one of them. Just with with a different cast um, and it was all like, you know, stars in it that we all know and we've seen on screen a million times. And I, I, I've just been thinking about this in the last five minutes and you know what? It would be awful. It would. So first of all, when they um, infiltrate the the the, um, the family, when the, the poor people infiltrate the rich family, it will be Ocean's Eleven heist. Heist within a heist, and we've got a heist in here, then another heist, and it would be so many heists by that point. We'll be like, have I just been heisted? I mean, we, we've been speaking about heists quite a lot recently, because we're just writing a, um, a heist film. And it's um, it's quite funny when like the heist is not the heist, because you've already been heisted. And I just yeah, think there's that that is always the twist. That it was like, oh, oh, it didn't work. <laughs> but we actually heisted the heist. <laughs> yeah. And I think that would have been like over the top, you know, it, there would be someone crawling in like a vent at some point in the ceiling. <laughs> and you know <laughs> the, you're right, there would have, would have yeah. crawled in a vent with a lighter. <laughs> yeah. With a walkie-talkie, I'm in. I'm in, <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> and it would just be, like, way over the top and so stereotypical. And it would, it would be it would be home alone, essentially, like you said. Yeah, there'd be a point where they would have to change the videotape and the CCTV camera as well. Yeah. They'd have to yeah. go in uh-huh. and overdo, yeah. overdo that Probably one. Mission Impossible style. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying Bong here has uh, made it a lot more classy. 
Yeah, he has. And I think you, you, you would only get, if this was film was pitched to a studio and I've had no experience in this whatsoever, I've only heard things. I just think it would be a committee job and be like, right, you need this is you need this person as the father. And imagine all of these actors are quite well known within within Korea and uh, the Korean. <laughs> Let's films. recast it for a Hollywood audience. All right, the dad, Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow, wow, we're which in. The, the the rich guy, the rich or the poor? <laughs> no, the poor one. Right, Owen Wilson <laughs> is the rich guy. <laughs> No, he would be the poor one. No, he couldn't be. You couldn't oh. have Owen Wilson. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Ah, right, go on. Yeah, this go is a, no, Jason Bateman is the poor one. Yeah, he would. Laura Linney, who <laughs> plays Jason Bateman's wife in Ozark. Yeah. Right, um, who's going to pay the younger people? You'll have Macaulay Culkin, but like from the 90s. <laughs> no, we're casting it for now. The guy in the basement. That would be uh, that would be Matt Damon. He would just turn up and you would know. <laughs> <laughs> he would just be there. He would be like, you wouldn't be on any of the posters or he anywhere. He wouldn't be on the on the villain, but uh, he would be there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he would he would just be there, like. So. The rich guy, the rich guy would be like um, Don Draper, wouldn't he? John Ham. Yeah, Hi, John, John Ham. Yeah. yeah, you could have like a, a oh Margot Robbie. Is the is the rich mother? Is the wife? Yeah. Is the uh, the rich right? So who would play the poor daughter? I'm uh, just going to go with uh, Christian's pick from uh, when we did the podcast awards. Uh, Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. Yeah, yeah. She'll yeah. she'll be in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma Stone will get it. Yeah. <laughs> poor casting choice, but she'll get it. She's a little bit too old now, probably to play. Nah. That's all right. Americans <laughs> always they always cast people slightly older. Yeah, Sir Sharon. She would. She Jonah, would. Uh, Jonah Hill. Aye, <laughs> and the son. It would just be awful. Like no, it uh, wouldn't be Jonah Hill. It would be the other one. Seth <laughs> Seth Seth it would be no, that's Seth Rogen. McLevin. <laughs> Seth Rogen's in it. <laughs> He'll be in it. Him and the other guy who play the cops will have a cameo at some point. They'll be at the. Uh, at the party at the end yeah it would just be like or it would be based on like an you know there would be a hollywood um family like um so the 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 rich people there would be like proper beverly hills yeah and there would be actors and everything and there would be like more more like press involvement and it just Basically, yeah. it would be shit. <laughs> I've made a, a worse film, so well done, Bob. So how would you not do it? How? What would you definitely not do? <laughs> not let anyone else do anything with it. Aye. So. Yeah. Okay. Has it aged? Nah. It's only a year old. <laughs> nah. Hasn't aged a day. Now these would are, it age? I think these are, these are universal themes that have been around for hundreds There's of years. some technology years, in it. And they're going to be around for another hundred years. There's a bit of technology in it. Yeah, I think the only single age is like is um no, it'll be the Wi-Fi single when everyone eventually in the world has like wicked Wi-Fi <laughs> yeah. single. Be like, what? Uh, it's uh, like when we talk about dial-up and people are like, what? Yeah, because you know, we are old. Okay, Doug, you mentioned that these these tales are quite timeless. When you think about it, this is a very like Shakespearean style movie. Yeah, it's a tale a tale of two families, isn't it? A poor family and a rich family. 
and uh, how they how they mirror each other and how they mm -hmm. uh, affect each other's lives. Yeah, and then it kind of it kind of goes full circle as well at the end. Everyone's back to their original places. Uh, it's, yeah, it's quite Shakespearean. Has South Park done a parasite episode yet? Because uh, if they haven't, they definitely will. Definitely, <laughs> must have. The fact that you've got the like everyone getting stabbed at the end is like <laughs> total. Shakespeare. It's kind of like like a like a reservoir dogs ending, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's Rob? We're looking at Rob's nose now. What's yeah, no, I have um, my cameras on one charge, and I can't th figure out a place oh, to right, put it. But um, he did actually consider this is a stage play. I thinking about that. The way that the living room is for most of it, it's it it could be like that. Aye, mm -hmm. yeah. definitely. All right, who was the Sebastian Stan of the film? For those who don't know, Sebastian Stan is in the film The Martian. What? You didn't realise either? Nah. That's because... He's he, not, yeah, is he? He's in The Martian. No, he's not. So don't, you, don't know, Seb you know the guy who plays the Winter Soldier in, in the, the Marvel movies? Yeah. That Sebastian He's in The Martian. But No, he's not. I've seen The Martian you know, the many Damon times. the Matt Damon movie. <laughs> right, so he's in the Martian. He's he's one of the crew members who are heading back to Earth, and then obviously spoilers, they spin around halfway through and go to save Matt Damon. They put a handbrake turn. Um, they put the they do a handbrake. They do a J turn. Yeah, Tokyo <laughs> drift. <laughs> they do a Tokyo drift round Earth, and um, yeah, head back. Do a U turn. Pull a Yui, as the Australians might say. <laughs> I'll have to watch it again to see if he's in it. Anyway, so his character. Um, yeah, you wouldn't even notice. He's a pointless character. If you took got rid of him, the plot of this movie would not change at all. So, who is the inconsequential, pointless character in this film? This is getting difficult every single time we do it. There's not a lot of characters to choose from, right? And you've got the two families, and each one has their real role to play. And there's not a lot of extras. The only extras we kind of see are the the party at the end, right, where all the friends and family come, but. They don't really get much screen time, but I suppose maybe I did. I wasn't a fan of the daughter, the rich family's daughter. Like she didn't really do much. She was pretty boring. Um, well, who would the son teach? Yeah, if she wasn't there, he's the gateway into the family. Yeah, yeah. So she does make sense in the plot. So she wouldn't be a Sebastian Stan. Is this a film without a Sebastian Stan? In fact, Sebastian Stan is in this movie. No way. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but he's in The Martian, apparently. No, he's not. So no no Sebastian Stan? No. Bang on bong. Bang on bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Filmmaking cliches. <laughs> what? <laughs> filmmaking cliches what we got that cliche of um, the kind of the midpoint oh everything's fine look let's just end the film now where's the credits and then suddenly everything goes wrong and they suddenly have to quickly clean up and hide and yeah uh, okay so the clean up and hide <gasps> she's coming back in five minutes quick yeah yeah <laughs> that's a that's a massive cliche yeah it's got to sweep up it's yeah. a, it is the kind of oh what can go wrong and then phone call, everything goes wrong. Uh, classic Martian. Uh, classic, the, classic the Martian. Classic. They're coming back. They're coming back. Yeah. All right. That was a good one. Is it in the Matrix? Are we going to retire this? We said we were going to retire it a while ago. Shall I put a, a, a cross through it? No, the fans love it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All three of them. 
Yeah, me, you. It's and for the fans. Bunging. It's bonging. <laughs> bonging. Um, I don't think it's in the merics. Which is kind of funny. Okay. Could there be a sequel? Parasite 2? The, the sequel could be, you know, him working his way up society to see his dad, but that, that's unnecessary, <laughs> his way up the stairs. It's an unnecessary sequel. Maybe maybe instead of a sequel, there's a reboot where Owen Wilson plays the dad. <laughs> no, Owen Wilson couldn't play like a, tr- a, a bum. Like a, 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 it's too, he's got too good hair. He has. Like, he's played a bum before. Not like this, though. Drillbit was- Taylor? Have you seen that? No, I'm not actually no. I saw that at the cinema. It's uh, it's all right. <laughs> we'll not do it for the pod. No one would watch that episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of get a sequel in terms of like, we see that flash forward or the, <gasps> the dream. So the game is on. Yeah. The dream. For, it's either a flash forward or it's a dream, that a dream fulfillment. I think we've pretty much what Bong, Bong says, like, but uh, uh, he says it's not like so. Any more trivia, fun facts, fan theories? Um, two seconds. I'll just go through uh, me me list that I just found ten minutes ago. Second half is like a hur- hurricane. 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 I cannot speak today. It's been a hurricane. Yep, yeah, that's it. Four hundred sixty visual effects. The apartments. <laughs> this part built. of the podcast is just <laughs> listening to Rob read his list. <laughs> text well, to IMDb. Text to speech. <laughs> I mean, presented by Robert Carr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the apartments were built. Yeah, had a built-in water tank. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so, Mad Max Fury Road inspired, in, inspired Parasite in a fun way. You could just uh, say no in future. Just say, no, I don't have any more facts. Right. Tell you which the fun way was. Let's, let's go new out of 10. So, I give it a 10. K-Dog give it a 10. Rob give it a 8.5? 8.5. Right, Rob, since you didn't give it a 10, are you going to go up or down or stay the same? Um, <laughs> That's a game Do you want to ask the audience? <laughs> yeah. Should we phone a friend? <laughs> I, think, I think this film is bonging, right? Um, I really do. I'm going to give it... How many bongs out of 10? Nine, nine bongs. I do, I do have a few problems with it in terms of some of the story, but... I'm kind of glad that we just get on with it. So yeah, I'm gonna go up 0.5 of a bong. So you're on eight. I'm on nine. You're on nine bongs. I'm on nine bongs. Nice one, bong. <laughs> K dog. Right, just just to make it interesting, I'm gonna I'm gonna take half a bong off. Um, I wanna go on nine and a half bongs, just because I would have liked. I I, I think you're right, Rob. I I would have liked the to, to seen what they did with that money and uh, maybe it would have made them more uh, likable characters. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would, I would have liked like a dumb and dumber scene in the middle where like they go off and like buy loads of suits and uh, stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in traditional uh, UK fashion, I'll help. I'm going to take a bing off. So it'll be a bing bong. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, I'm not saying that's a racist thing. I'm saying because of, because of big Ben. (laughs) And I'm, he's I'm, called Bong. He's called Bong. Yeah. I'm going to change mine to uh, 9.15. So it's it's kind of like a throwback to quarter last nine, that joke I said like, <laughs> earlier. So. That, that classic film look podcast joke right there. I am going to, you know what? I'm going to give it quarter past nine out of ten as well. Uh, yeah. Definitely. That's when, that's when she turned up. Like, that's when they were doing it. Oh, 
I laugh if it actually is. And we'll have to watch that again, see if it works and balls. Caught us then. So, uh, yeah, can he... Um... <laughs> can he good? <laughs> can he good? Nice one, bong. War bong does well. <sighs> okay, uh, go, if you want to reach us... <laughs> If you want to reach us, uh, give us your opinions. Thefilmlookatgmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram if you want to tell us how stupid this podcast is. Um, YouTube channel, if you want to learn some filmmaking knowledge bombs, get yourself on youtube.com forward slash thefilmlook. And until next time, annyeong. That's goodbye in Korean. Annyeong. Bing bong. Bing bong. (laughs) My God, because of Big Ben, because of Big Ben, yeah, and Big he's called Bong, so we're doing a whole British thing. It's not racist. I yeah. mean, do you know bong, bong is like you like you smoke weed out of as well, and we we'll just give it like nine and a half bongs. Like <laughs> I give it four twenty bongs. Like, we had uh, we had nine and a half bongs. Look at that. Four twenty bongs. <laughs> okay, and young. Bye. Should we cut?